Well, as the Christmas season heats up two weeks from today, well, it heats up now, but two weeks from today we'll be celebrating Christmas. Many of you will be sitting with family somewhere, and you'll just have to grin and bear it. Your husband or wife will start to squeeze your knee under the table as if to say, keep your mouth shut, just let her talk. There's going to be interruptions that come into our lives, and especially at a time when things get a little tense, when uh, schedules get a little bit tighter, interruptions seem to be that much more inconvenient. But there are other types of interruptions that go way beyond simple holiday schedule plans and relatives showing up unannounced and awkward moments at the dinner table. There's the kind of interruptions that we're talking about in this series, Life Interrupted, that are divine interruptions. Interruptions that come into our lives directly from God. And if we listen and we allow God to interrupt us, it can send our life off in a better direction. We're looking at the Christmas story recorded in the books of Matthew and Luke. And different characters that are talked about in there and how they were interrupted by this message that Jesus had been born a child. And every week, we, last week we started out looking at Mary and Joseph and how in the middle of planning their wedding, they got this interruption from the Lord and were told they were going to have this miraculous birth and they were going to be the earthly parents of God in the flesh. And today we're looking at some other characters that are in the book of Luke. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. Those are yours to keep. If you would like to keep a Bible, if you don't have one, if you'd like an extra and want to give it away, just please grab one and take it home with you. If you'd just like to borrow one, you can borrow it and leave it in the back when you leave today. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. In the book of Luke, the scriptures also be on the screen. You can read in the Bible around there, but in the book of Luke, there's a story of some people who were living their life in anxious waiting, but the way they lived their life, you would never know that's what was going on. And the story is told by Luke, but the, but the neat thing about Luke's story, when the Gospel of Luke tells the story about Christ, and Luke tells the entire story from birth to death to resurrection, is that Luke was not a person who was there and experienced it. The books of Matthew, the books of Mark, and the books of John were written by people who had this personal interaction with Christ. Luke was a person just like us, who heard about Christ from somebody else and accepted him, and accepted the message. And he was a scholar, he was educated, so he he interviewed people. And scholars believe it probably was Mary that he interviewed as he wrote down the accounts of Jesus Christ. So when you read the Gospel of Luke, you're not reading a person who was there. You're reading a person who became convinced that Jesus was Lord and accepted him and started to follow him. So it's with that in mind. Let's read this story that was made famous by peanuts to the world. So if you don't read the Bible much, you're probably like, I've heard that before somewhere. Well, this is what Linus read in the Christmas story as told. In the Charlie Brown cartoon. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, says, 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, this is a story of the first responders. These were the first people outside of Mary and Joseph who would have been present after Jesus was born. These were the first people that the angel came to and said, go see this baby. Now, if if we were choosing the people to go and witness the birth of Christ, we would think, well, maybe you should go to the nobility of the day. Maybe you should go to kings and, and, and princes and princesses. You need to go to them because they have influence and they can have influence on who gets to tell this message. Or better yet, go to the religious leaders of the day. Because if you go to them first, then they'll tell all the religious people and everybody will believe it and news will spread faster. But that's not how God did it. God went to the lowliest of people, shepherds. Shepherds were at the very bottom. They were nomads. They were gypsies. They traveled around the desert. They were considered unclean because they lived with animals. They touched animals. They stepped in it when they were around animals after they did their business. So people just stayed away from shepherds. But that's who God chose. The lowly of the world is who God chose to be the first to hear his message. The most easily forgotten ones were the ones that God paid attention to. Why did he do that? Why would God not have chosen a more efficient way or a different people group to take this to first? Because it seems like that the ones who are forgotten, the ones who are down, and the ones who have the most needs are the ones more likely to listen when God speaks. And if you've noticed, when we are at our lowest, it's easy to cry out to God. But when there's plenty of money in the bank and all the relationships are going great and and health is perfect and, and things are wonderful and we're getting all the things that we want in life, it's easy to just kind of push God to the back or just let him kind of fade to the back. But the moment you go to the doctor and get a bad report, you would consider putting your hands to the back of the television when the televangelist says to pray. You would think, okay, maybe this will work. All of a sudden, you're grasping at whatever you can when you're at your lowest. Maybe that's why God went to the lowest people on earth. 
was because they were the ones more likely to listen. The people who are the lowest, and when we're at our lowest, we tend to realize our need for God and our need for something bigger in our lives. So as soon as bad things start happening in our lives, it's easy then. Okay, God, I hear you. I'm listening. So if if I'm going to hear from God, I must live in a way that allows for interruptions. And that's how these shepherds lived. These lowly shepherds lived in a way that allowed interruptions in their lives. They were, if you went to the Middle East today and you looked around and you went out in the desert, you would find these shepherds called Bedouin shepherds. You would find them living pretty much the same way today that they did at the time of Christ. They still work six days a week, 12 hours a day, put great emphasis on family time in the evenings. They still live in tents. They still walk around with the animals. They still take a Sabbath day where they do no work at all. And there's an interesting thing about these shepherds. Most of them live to over 100 years old. That must not be a stressful life. You would think 12 hours a day, six days a week, that's a lot of hours to work. And that's probably stressful. Well, it must not be. Because they don't have this heart disease problem. They don't, they, don't have, they don't have a lot of other problems in life that we deal with. Because they just make themselves available. And if I'm going to hear from God, I've got to live in a way that's going to allow for interruptions. Their life was characterized by peace And it allowed them to hear from God. And then we'll see, they go to worship him. Have you ever said to yourself, I I really want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. I want to hear from him. But you don't. Maybe it's because your life is too fast. There's too much going on. There's too many things coming at you. As, As our staff, I tell our staff, here's what I want you to do. You full-time staffers, you need to take a day a month. You don't do anything for LifePoint. You go and you get along with God. You don't call anybody. You don't return any emails. And you just be with God and be quiet. That might be at home. That might be taking a drive out to the coast for the day. Whatever. I'll pick up the expense. Just do it and get along with God. Because you most often hear from God in the quiet times. Not in the busy times when things are going real fast and, and things are running really fast and we can't even get our thoughts straight. That's not when it's easy to hear from God. But it's easy to hear from God when we're living in a way that our life has margin in it. It's just like, so these shepherds have margin in their life even though they work 70 plus hours a week. And we don't have margin in our lives. And the, what, what it's like to live like with life without margin, it's like, when you're all, like, make, all, all your credit cards are maxed out or all your payments are maxed out and you have your paycheck and then by the end of the month the expenses are up here and your paycheck goes down here or even if they're even, you don't have margin. You can't, you can't move and flow and make decisions because you're kind of constrained by that because you have no financial margin. Some people have no, no margin with their time. They, they, you just work all the time, and then when, it, when it's home, it's like, i got to rest and go to bed. I'm tired, and it's get up and start the same thing over again, so there's no margin. Some of you walked in here today, and the time I've been talking, your mind's already shot off and gone somewhere else, and you're thinking about shopping this afternoon or lunch 
or something that you need to do. You might even be making a grocery list right now. I can't see you, but you might even be doing that. Or texting. I catch people doing that occasionally. It's hard when we don't have margin in our lives to stop and keep focus. But because of the availability these shepherds had, they were able to worship God in a way that many of us have yet to experience. So for us, here's what worship is. Worship is right here, this hour, this 16 minutes we have left. That's what worship is. It's, it's the songs that you're going to hear. It's whatever I'm going to say. It's, it's whatever you're going to see on the screen. That's worship. And that is. This is a worship assembly, and that's what we're here to do. You're the spectators. People are on stage. We're here together doing all this for God. And we do try to spice it up and make it interesting. I mean, it wouldn't be any good if I just came out and I spoke in a monotone voice and I just stood here behind a stand and I read from the Old Testament book of Leviticus and we memorized all of those laws. That, that would, you know, I mean, I got to think, okay, if I, I, I got to do something to make people laugh every four to six minutes or they don't pay attention. That's just a rule. <laughs> so we come in and we think, okay, entertain me. Speak to me. I want this to be meaningful. And we try to do that. And there's a, there's a part of worship. All of that's true. We, we want, Jesus would have been a very entertaining speaker. You would have wanted to hear what he had to say because of the way he was saying it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But worship has to be beyond and not just in these walls. It's got to be something that begins to encompass our lives. And these shepherds were probably living a very worshipful lifestyle. So when God came and interrupted their lives, they were available. They were able to hear from him. And they were able to experience God in a whole new way. And they were because this. Because of this fact. My expectation determines my view of worship. When these shepherds heard from God, for thousands of years they had known of these stories about this Messiah that was supposed to come. They would have been told stories around the campfire as little boys. One day Jesus is going to come. One day there's going to be a Messiah. One day there's going to be a Savior. They would have known all of that. They would have known the prophecies like the one recorded in the book of Micah, chapter 5, when it says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small and among among the clans of Judah... Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So they were living with this expectation that in Bethlehem there would be a Savior born. Something, a Savior would be born and God would provide an answer. So they're living with this expectation. And so when this angel shows up and says, These words in Luke 2, today in the town of David, that would have made him say, wait a minute, the town of David, that's significant. That's Bethlehem. That's where King David was born. David was a king that lived in the Old Testament that that was prophesied that the Savior, Jesus Christ, would be born through his lineage. And so they're hearing this, the town of David, and they listen because they have this expectation That God's going to move someday and God's going to do something. And so they expect it. And when they hear the town of David, they probably stopped everything they were doing. Not that the big lights coming from heaven and the loud voice didn't get their attention, but that got their attention. All of a sudden, wait, the town of David, 
And the angel says, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ and Lord. So the angel just described this baby that's going to be born in three different ways. The angel said, this Savior has been born to you. And the Hebrews use the word Savior to refer to God saving his people from their sins. This, this person, this Savior is going to come and do that. The Greeks referred to Zeus and the other gods as Savior. The Romans, when they thought of Julius Caesar, they thought of Caesar being directly in the flesh from God as their Savior. Over the next several months, depending on your view of politics, you're either going to have to enjoy or endure a presidential election, whichever it is. And whether there's a new one or the current one, People are looking for a savior. They're looking for someone to save the economy, for somebody to save the moral compass of our country, for somebody to save something. That's what we're looking for. We want this savior that's going to do that. Well, Jesus is that on a level above all of the others. Jesus is that on a spiritual and relational level. So they're saying this savior is going to come and he's going to save you from your sins, from yourselves, He's going to save you for eternity. He's going to save you. So they saw Jesus as Savior. They also saw Jesus, and the angels wanted to make sure they understood, not just as Savior, he's coming as Christ, which just means the chosen one, the anointed one, the one who is coming from God and is God and has been covered by God with the blessing to change people's lives. So Christ He's Savior, he's Christ, and he's Lord. And the word Lord just meant, literally it meant the one who is. It's, it's the same word that the Jewish people in the Old Testament would have used to refer to Yahweh, to God, to the Father. Same word. It meant the one who is, like as in the one who is with us, the one who is just around us, just, just among us. One of the prophets, he said, Jesus will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So he's going to be Savior Christ and Lord, Lord of our lives, meaning that he's in our lives, all parts of our lives, not just here for an hour, but every single part of our lives. If you make the decision to become a follower of Christ, that means you've made him your Lord. You've invited him in to be an integral part of your entire life. So they show up with this expectation from the, from in, the, in the town of David, a Savior is going to be born, and this Savior is going to be Christ, and this Savior is going to be Lord. So they have this, this expectation that when they hear it, it affects their worship. And so they show up where the baby is. They show up where many people, because Jesus was born in a, in a very public way, and p- other people would have walked by the baby, I'm sure. It was outside. It was in a manger. There was people milling around. Now, they probably walked by, and they just said, oh, what a cute little baby. Oh, isn't he cute? Mother's a little young, but cute baby. But when the shepherds walked by, they saw Savior, Christ, and Lord because that's what they were expecting to see. Other people who walk by, they're not expecting a Savior, a Christ, and a Lord. They just see a little baby. And you walked in here today with an expectation. You came in expecting something. You came in expecting to 
feel something or to see someone or to do something or to, and, and a lot of times people will come in and they'll sit and they're like, okay, I'm looking for the church that's perfect. And if you say that up front, I usually say, oh, I'm sorry, it's down the street because not literally, uh, but it's not this one because this one's not perfect. And if you're looking for perfect, you'll just mess up what we got going on because nobody's perfect around here. So people come in, their expectation, if it is, I want perfection, they're going to be very disappointed. They're not going to enjoy. They're not going to learn. It's all based, what, what's our expectation when we walk in the door? Well, I, I, uh, I want to be moved. I want to be motivated. Well, depending on how we feel, if the sound system's working well, if the video's going right, if the guitar's in tune, and I just happen to kind of maybe be on for the day, maybe it's going to be this awesome experience, and you're going to leave feeling like, I really loved worship today. And what that translates to is, I heard some songs I really liked, I saw some videos that made me laugh or cry, and I heard a message spoken from someone that motivated me to go do something. So worship was good today. If you, if you went to, and, and if it doesn't meet that, then worship wasn't good today. So we have an expectation every time we go somewhere. If you bought uh, Kane's tickets recently, and you went expecting them to win, you were probably very disappointed. And you probably will be for the rest of the season, if that's what you expect. Now, if you just went saying, we just want to go enjoy a $200 evening, and we just want to... We just want to watch people, uh, you know, watch these big guys, you know, push this puck around with their, with their sticks. Then, hey, it's going to be a great evening. If that's your expectation, you will not be disappointed. But if your expectation is they got to win, the place has got to come alive, and then you're going to be disappointed. Our expectation, what it should be when we walk in these doors, I'm going to meet with God. I'm coming here to meet with God. And yes, you can meet with God in many other ways, in many other places. But this special time that we're here for an hour, I'm coming to meet with God. And through my conversation with someone else, through a song that may not be my favorite, through a message that may not be delivered in the most perfect way, all of that together, I'm going to use that and I'm going to meet with God today. If that's how, and I know people that do that. They get up and they know, I'm going to church today, I'm going to meet with God. I'm going to work today, and I'm going to meet with God through the relationships. And when our expectations change, our worship experience changes. Because the focus, when the focus is I'm going to meet with God and not I'm going to get what I like, it changes. And our worship becomes an experience that helps us to connect with God in a significant way and just like these shepherds went expecting something and God showed up, when you expect to meet with him and you ask him to meet with you, he will show up. Worship also should move me into action. When, the, when these shepherds met with Jesus, when they recognized that through their expectations that this is the Christ, this is Lord, this is Savior, it motivated them to action the same way worship should motivate us to action. In Luke chapter 2, verse 17, it says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So when you've truly encountered Jesus, you have no choice 
but to tell others about it. Worship can drive what we tell others and how we express what we experience to others. Because when you've had an experience, it's really hard not to tell people. If you're going out shopping today and you find like what you deem to be the sale of the year, like this is it, oh my gosh, cannot believe I found this. After you got all you want, you will tell somebody about it, right? If you make sure they got enough, you'll tell somebody, you got to come down here and buy some of these because they're on sale. Because you're, you're, you're sharing your experience, you're sharing what excites you. If you go see a movie that's like off the charts awesome, it like moved you, motivated you, made you laugh, made you cry, it was perfect. After posting it on Facebook for the world to see that you did and you loved it, you're going to tell somebody about it. And when they mention it, you're like, you got to see it. you got, to, how could your life be complete without doing that? If you meet someone who is a new parent for more than three minutes, they are going to talk about their child. They're going to talk about this beautiful, perfect, wonderful baby that has come into their lives and they've just got to tell you about their child and, and, and all about the birth because there's never been children born before and this one is amazing. And they tell you the whole story because they're excited about it. We tend to talk about the things that excite us and the things that excite us move us into action. In the same way you never had to take a class on how to tell people about your children or something that moves you or movies that you see, you just tell about your experience. That's the same way when you experience God. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to know the scriptures inside and out. You don't even have to have any memorized to be able to tell your story. That's why you hear so many stories. That's why you just heard us read those stories during the What's Up time. That's why you see stories on the screen all the time. And I love people who like first get into it, who first come to church and get really excited about it. Because while many people at LifePoint invite and bring friends, the ones it's new to, the ones that are new to the family of God, the ones that are new to checking out church, or the ones that church is in a, it's done, we're, we do it in a way they've never experienced before, they're the best. The first four to six months, they're the best at telling people. Because I'll meet somebody that's new, and then I'll meet somebody else, and I'll say, how'd you find out about us? That person over there. And I don't know that person over there, because they're new too. And it's like new people when they first start to experience it, but then there's this time where it just becomes this routine, and you don't tell anybody anymore about your experience, and you don't draw anybody in, and, and that's the struggle. If we stay in this experiential relationship with God, it's easier to talk about the difference he's made in our lives and to draw other people in because worship should motiv- motivate me to act, to tell, to do. To just open up our mouths and tell our story. You'll be amazed. M- maybe you're thinking, you know, I don't really have a story to tell. I don't have, I've never had this experience with Christ. Well, stick around, you will. Keep your expectation on you're going to meet with God one day, and you will. And you'll have a story to tell. You'll have an excitement to talk about with other people. These shepherds were available. They expected God to show up. They worshiped the Christ, and they were moved to action by their experience. So while worship is this this experience that we have It's easier to worship when we make ourselves available. 
true worship always points back to God. Do you have, think about the person you have in your life that you can count on. No matter what, things are going bad, you need to talk, shoulder to cry on, need some money, need something. You can count on this person all the time to be there, no matter what, through thick and thin. Most of us have somebody like that, and that feels really good. I have people, no matter what I would do or say or any mess I would get myself in, I could call them up and unconditionally they would come and be with me for whatever reason I needed. You need someone like that in your life because it feels really good. That's what these shepherds experienced. They experienced a God who never leaves, never lets go, that always always answers that always comes through because remember they've heard these stories from little boys that this Messiah is going to come and here's how their episode ends with Jesus the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which which were just as they had been told not just told by the angel but their whole lives what they've been told about Christ They could count on that story that they've been told from childhood. Jesus really is here. He's really Christ. He's really Savior. And he's really Lord. And maybe you're sitting there today saying, I would love to have this experience with God, but I just just can't. I just haven't. I've tried. I've given it a shot. It's not working. Maybe you need to let yourself be more open to interruption. All through December, we've got these envelopes that not only can you put your offering in for the day and we ask that you do that you can also write on the little card that's in there and you can write how God's interrupting you how God has interrupted you or anything that you want to share in a couple of lines and as the band comes back out and Joel instructs us on our time of offering just take a minute or two and write if you feel led to do that and this week the rest of this month Allow yourself to be open to a divine interruption that can come from God and change your life.